Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This podcast is gold. Basketball gold. You're tuned into the best Cleveland Cavaliers podcast in all the land. Basketball gold. Hosted by Mike Fratello and Jeff Phelps. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Basketball Gold with Fratello and Phelps. He is Mike Fratello, former NBA head coach, Cleveland Cavaliers, Atlanta Hawks, Memphis Grizzlies, not in that order. I'm Jeff Phelps, Cleveland-based sports broadcaster. Merry Christmas to you, sir. If if anybody's not looking at video of us, I can see you. You're just decked out. You're festive. This is called festive garb. And, you know, I if I want to be cool, and in, I can pull my hoodie up. Yeah, you get a little festive. Now I'm really, now I'm really in the spirit right now. That's a good look on you. Didn't Santa have a hood on his outfit? No, I don't believe so. Just, just a little hat that he wore on top. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, yeah. yeah so happy just, holidays to everybody. Yeah, uh, and we hope everybody has a great holiday season. I would think, Mike, the Cleveland Cavaliers. How's that for a smooth transition? Oh, look at there. You have help. That's One of nice. my little helpers. One of my helpers came you down. You have elves. That's fabulous. How's that? This is worth just making this complete video. If only people could see. Um, maybe they can. Yeah. At, the very, at the very least, that's a promotional shot right there. I love that. Well, uh, Cleveland nobody Cavaliers. Has, nobody yeah. has production like we do on our podcast. Oh, Mike, are you kidding? That's what we're known for. Great production. <laughs> uh, Cavaliers are in a homestand They're playing really well Third place in the East They're two games out of first place And if, you know, people might be thinking Alright, they're going to drop a little They're not going to Well, they're not dropping If anything, it's a little tighter than it's been And it feels a little bit more so At 21 and 11 Six-game homestand Mike is off to a great start they won three straight, the first three games of the homestand, take it back to the road trip, a win over Dallas, so that's four straight wins. What's impressed you most here about this stretch at home where the Cavaliers right now, Mike, best home record in the NBA? To me, Jeff, it's the fact that on the nights that they haven't played their best basketball, and I'm going to remove this just a little bit so I have freedom of hearing and speech. So you don't choke on your costume? <laughs> Um, on the nights that they didn't have their best basketball going, yeah, they still found a way to win. And then in their last game, they played maybe the best game of the season where everything cleans of the floor. Uh, going into that last game, they were number two in the NBA in point differential. And as you know, point differential is what you score versus what you give up. And what the spread is between that, are you the best in the league? Well, they weren't best, but they were second best in the NBA going in with point differential. So at the end of that, after the games that pursued before uh, the game against Milwaukee, uh, this team has done an outstanding job of taking care of business at the defensive end. And from day one, their head coach has preached 
defense will carry us. Defense is the staple of this team. We're going to have nights where the three-point shot doesn't work. We're going to have nights where we don't make a lot of shots from the in-between areas. But every night we can come and play with effort and energy and get contributions from not only the starters, but the bench. And, and while we're talking about the bench, Jeff, let's mention that a year ago, when Coach wound up starting the big lineup in the NBA was like, wow, yeah, Cleveland starting all those seven footers across the front line. At the same time that he was doing that, remember that he was only playing eight people per game. He had really cut back his rotations. Guys number nine and ten were used maybe at the end of the game in the last two minutes. And essentially that's what he went back to in their last game against Utah. He played eight guys for the majority of the minutes. At the end of the third quarter, holding a 20-something point lead, he put Neto in the game and let Neto play the entire fourth quarter. So if you look at a, a box score, a stat sheet, you say, oh, Neto, 12 minutes. So he was using nine men. No, he used eight men and put Neto in and left him in for the fourth quarter. So interesting because the coaches figured out, I know who can win for us. These eight players can win for us. And until you show me more, I may not go deeper than eight players. Mike, if you're an NBA fan, I would think, and a Cavs fan, you're loving the standings right now. But we're only 32 games in. I look at the standings from the beginning of the season in, in any sport. I just find it entertaining. I like to kind of follow where teams are and what they're doing. But I've had too many people tell me over the years, you're looking at the standings way too soon. It doesn't matter. You've been on the business end of it with coaching and watching your players and trying to get their minds right. When do you start looking at standings, Mike, if you're a player, if you're a coach, and when does it matter? Or should you be watching from the beginning of the season? I think it varies with the teams. I think certain coaches from day one prioritize the fact that we're following the standings because the game we lose at game number 10 in the season means just as much as the one that we lose at game 70 in the season. If we miss the playoffs by one game, which game do you want to pick out? Right. It was the critical game in, in the the losses that built up. So some teams in their locker rooms keep the daily standings. Someone's in charge of the win column, loss column, and moving the names of the teams around so that players, when they come into the locker room, they look up at the wall, they see, oh, like I don't really think a lot of the NBA players every night go to bed only – after they watch who won every game that night before. But when they come into the locker room the next day for practice or for preparation for their game, they look up at the walls to getting dressed and go, oh, so-and-so got beat last night. Oh, so-and-so won again last night. That's six in a row for them. And it kind of keeps you abreast of what's going on. And now I would think that those who have it posted in the locker room have the first six teams locked in then a line, then another line showing play-in, playoffs, home court advantage, all of that from day, sometimes from day one. And I'm sure there are other coaches that early in the season, they might not bring it up, and that at a certain point for them, it becomes important enough that they say, okay, from mm -hmm. now on, we watch what's going on every day 
because we're coming down the back stretch and we're coming around the last turn heading home for the playoffs. So I would think it would differ with every team and where the coach places the significance of the standings at that particular time of the year. Mike, did you ever notice with your teams that they played nervous, they played looser, if they knew, if they didn't know, if you guys stressed it, if you didn't stress it? I'm just wondering from a mental standpoint if that had any impact on guys. I'm sure late in the season, you know, when they know, all right, we've got to get a win because we know where we are. But I'm wondering at this time of the year if if it had any impact on any of your guys. Jeff, we always use short-term goals to end up equaling the long-term goals that we wanted. And what I mean by short-term goals, we broke the season down to sets of five or four games normally. At home, if it was going to be five games, we want to win how many out of every five games at home? There are, and think about it, there are eight sets of five games at home with one game left over. So if you say we want to win three out of every five games at home, well, if you do that, that's 24 wins with one game left over to either win or lose. And at the same time, go on the road where you have 41 games. And what do you want to run on the road? Two out of four? Well, there are 10 sets of four games on the road. So if you win two out of four, that's 20 wins. Well, 24 wins with one left over, 20 wins with one left over. You've got 44 wins in the bank with two games left over. Is that enough to get you in the playoffs? So you vary that each year. And I always felt that it was very important that you were realistic and what mm-hmm. the goals were that you set. You can't set goals like we want to win five out of five at home. Well, you don't do that in the NBA. You don't win every <laughs> game at home in the NBA. So if you want guys to really pay attention, it has a meaning to it, you put something up there that makes sense to them, that they can look at and grasp. If you're a team that won 16 games last year, you're not going to put three out of five or four out of five up there on your home set of games. You're going to be realistic. Maybe two games is realistic. Two out of a set of eight, there's 16 wins. Go on the road, you win one out of four at home. There's 10 sets there. There's another 10. Now you're at 26 to 30 wins somewhere in there. That's a step up from winning 16 a year ago. Being realistic is important or the players don't believe. They don't buy in at that point. I like the way you broke that down too, Mike, because – I think it would be real easy to say, all right, well, we want to win 52 games. That, that's a big picture thing. And it, it I, I would think that's tough to get guys motivated when you're thinking 52. But when you break it down to, all right, let's let's win two out of four on the road here. Let's win four out of five in this homestand. I, I would think that'd be a great way to just keep keep the energy up, keep the interest up and, you know, keep the effort flowing continuously. That's a great yep. idea. You write it on the board every night. If you're at home, you write the set of five home games that you're in. And when you do game number one, win or loss. Game number two, win or loss. Now you're in game number three, and you're at two wins out of the five. You're trying to get game number three, so you have three out of the five with two to go. And when you go on the road, you forget about the home games. You put up the road, four-game road set if that's what you're doing. And you're trying to win two out of those four games at home, at, on the road. And remember, if you ever win three out of four on the road, you're plus one because you won one more 
than you were trying to win on the road. And if you ever win five in a row at home, you're plus one if you're trying to win four out of five at home. It's all kind of, the numbers are running together, Mike. I'm slightly confused, but I get it. Win two out of four on the road, win four out of five at home, you get a 52-win season. Perfect. Exactly. And I did call your elementary school and ask about your math skills, and they said you would probably be confused by the formula. (laughs) I, I was fine until we hit trigonometry and algebra too. I know that was. The, oh, I was man. toast. I was absolutely toast at that point. 